How many of you have ever collected sports cards of any kind? Do we have any, maybe at one time, maybe you still do? Well, when I was a kid, I, along with pretty much all of my little friends in the neighborhood, uh, we were obsessed with collecting basketball cards. And uh, that was obviously before I discovered how to play guitar and sing, because now I don't even know if I could tell you what a basketball looks like. But there was a time uh, where that was not the case. And uh, I don't know what it was, but there was just something exciting about opening up a brand new pack of basketball cards and trying to see what you might get, right? Because you never know, you might find that one extremely rare card that was more expensive than all of the others, right? That was what was exciting about it. And let's make sure I got these where they're supposed to be. What I have right here are a few unopened packs of Fleer 95-96 basketball cards. All right, has anybody ever uh, had the pleasure of opening a pack of these babies? Yeah? These were amazing back in the day. These were the ones I couldn't get enough of. And the cool thing about these are is that there's two inserts in each one of these packs, and one of them's really special, right? There's one special insert in every pack, and some of them are worth more than others, obviously, but me, I was after the Franchise Future set. They, you got, I think, one Franchise Future in every 36 packs that you opened, approximately. So what I'm saying is these things were actually pretty rare, right? And after spending pretty much all of my paper route money uh, on basketball cards, my dad, you drove my dad nuts. Uh, you should save that money for a car. But after spending it, I had all of the franchise future cards. There were nine of them. I had eight, all of them but one. And that one was the Anthony Hardaway franchise future. I have a picture of it. He put it up here. It's still a cool card, so nostalgic, and I love it. But that was the one that we all wanted. Nobody had it. It was like we were all buying and buying, and we could not find it. So I actually asked these, just for some fun, I actually asked Tori, Shane, and Nathan to come out here, and we're just going to open these packs and see how really, how, what the odds really are. I doubt we're going to get one, but go ahead and open them up, guys, and let's see what they are. Let's see it, guys. Come on. Come on. Yeah, they're really old, so they might be sticky. You probably have to use your teeth. <laughs> come on, come on. What do you got? What do you got, Tori? Right in the middle. Come on. All right, come on. Well, there it is. You got the Alonzo Morning All-Star card, not a franchise future. What do you got, Nathan? Come on, come on. What do we got here? Oh, you also got the Alonzo Morning. What do you got, Shane? Come on. Oh, there it is. You got the John Stockton double-double. So odds are you're not going to get a franchise future even in these three. You guys can actually keep those cards. And thank you for coming out for that. For that just fun, you know. It's okay to have fun in church, right? It's okay. So here's the thing. I, I asked my grandma to get me a box of Fleer 95-96 basketball cards for Christmas that year. I... I I wrote her a list. I'd never done that before. My cousins were like, hey, we do it all the time. So I wrote her a list, and the top request on that list was a box of Fleer 95-96 basketball cards. And, of course, then I go to Grandma's house that Christmas, and I'm looking under the tree, sizing up every gift, right, trying to figure out which one was going to be what I asked for. And 
I start opening the gifts. I open one, two, I don't remember how many there were. All I know is I didn't get it. I never got it and I was heartbroken. Pretty sure I even cried. And my grandma saw and she was like, what's wrong? What's, what's the big deal? And I remember looking at her and just saying, why didn't you give me what I asked for? Why didn't you give me what I asked for? I think we've all asked that question at some point, right? Why didn't you give me what I asked for? And obviously, I didn't understand the true nature of a request, right? Because when we make a request, there's always a possibility that we might not get what we asked for, right? It's not a guarantee. A request, there's a 50-50 chance that we would get what we asked for. That is the nature of a request. So when we make a request, especially as Christians, and and when we we make a, a request before God, the real question should be, why are we asking, right? What, what is the reason behind this request? Because the truth is, as we become more and more like Jesus, which is the ultimate goal, right? That's, that's what we're all trying to achieve, is to be more like Jesus. And the more we become like him, the more we begin to desire what he desires, right? We begin to ask for the things of his plans and his purposes, and in fact, 1 John 5, 14, it says, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So the title of my message today is the root of the request. The root of the request, because the truth is the why matters. The why matters, right? The, the reason, the motive, the, the purpose matters. Because God always looks at the heart, right? So turn to the person next to you and say, the why matters. The why matters. If if you're watching online, put that in the chat. The why matters. The why matters because when we get to the root of our request, then we can actually see what's happening inside our heart, right? Sometimes it's a scary thing, but it's important for us to do. Not every request is going to have the same outcome. But do you want to know what the root of my request was when I was asking for those basketball cards? Popularity. I wanted to be cool, right? You know know how awesome I would have been if I was the first guy to get that Anthony Hardaway card? I'd have been the coolest kid on the block, right? Every request has a root. So the passage that we're going to be looking at today, uh, it actually consists of an encounter with Jesus Christ. And... Within this encounter, we're going to see three different requests that are made to Jesus within this encounter. And what we're going to do is we're going to try and pinpoint the root of those requests to the best of our ability. So, Father, we ask that as we read your word, that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to hear and understand. Father, guide my lips as I speak. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would move in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles with you, you can go to the book of Mark, and we're going to start at chapter 5, verse 1. This is what it says. It says, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out 
and cut himself with stones. So this sort of sets the scene for what's about to happen, right? And uh, it says that they went across the lake into the region of the Gerasenes. And that might not seem like an important statement, but it actually is extremely important because what it tells us is that Jesus came to this place intentionally. Because in chapter four, right before we get to chapter five, Jesus actually tells his disciples that he wants to go across the lake to the other side. This was intentional. God is an intentional God. In fact, I just want to say, I don't know who this is for, but you are in this place today for a reason. You're not here by accident. Our God is an intentional God. So for those of you who maybe didn't want to be here, but for some reason you still got out of bed, you still got dressed, got in your car, came here, you're still sitting in the seats wondering, why am I here? Let me assure you, you're here for a reason. God has a plan and a purpose for you being here. Yeah, he loves you, he loves you, and he wants you to have an encounter with Jesus today. So Jesus and his disciples, they, they get to their, their destination, and they basically step out of the boat into like an Alfred Hitchcock movie, right? Or a Stephen King novel, I don't know. It, it's extremely terrifying, right? We, we read that, that this demon-possessed man, he lives in the graveyard, and he comes running up to Jesus, And the other gospel accounts give us a little more detail that he was naked. He was probably bloody from cutting himself with stones. And it says that he was so violent that most people couldn't even pass by wherever he was because he was so dangerous. And then on top of all that, these demons that possessed him gave him some sort of supernatural strength. He he couldn't be bound. He would break the chains. So this is not someone that you want running up to you unexpected, right? right? This is stranger danger on steroids, right? This is the, the kind of guy that, if we're being completely honest, we would most likely avoid if we saw, right? Makes me think of like when you're, you know, in a rougher neighborhood of town and you're sitting at a stoplight and, you know, maybe it's dark, you don't know what's going on and you just out of the corner of your eye, you see somebody walking up to the window. So what do you do? I'll tell you what I usually do. Not my proudest thing, but... Usually, I stare straight ahead, so I don't have to let them know that I noticed them, and I, I nonchalantly hit the lock button as if they're not going to hear it happen, right? right? Don't judge me. You've all done it, too. You've all done it. We've all done something like that in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's right or wrong, we do that simply because we're unaware of their intentions, right? We're not sure what they're going to do. So we, we do that to protect ourselves and our families, and we're, we're not willing to take any chances, Right? But thank God Jesus was willing to take chances. Jesus is always willing to take chances. You know, if he was sitting at that stoplight, he would have saw someone come and rolled the window down and said, hey, how's it going, man? What's your name? And he would have given him more than what he needed, right? Because that's the way Jesus is. He sees people for who he created them to be and not for the things that plague them. And that is a beautiful Beautiful thing. And that's exactly what he does in this passage. He rolls the window down for this guy. Check this out in verse six. It says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, that's the demon-possessed man, it says, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Creepy. And he begged Jesus 
again and again not to send them out of the area. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs over there. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Okay, so now we come to our first request that we're going to look at in our story. And if I'm being honest, this is an extremely bizarre request, right? This demon who goes by the name Legion, first of all, he knows that he's powerless before the Son of God, okay? He is powerless before the Son of God. In fact, I believe that's probably one of the most powerful takeaways that we can get from this entire passage. Did you notice that before the demon spoke, he bowed? He bowed before Jesus. So what, even the darkness, even the devil and his demons have to bow in the presence of God. That's powerful. So whatever you walked in here with today, it's already bowed and surrendered to the savior of the world, all right? So this legion, he bows, and then he acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God. He actually says, what do you want from me, son of the most high God? And then he begs Jesus to send them into the pigs. Now that leads us to our question, why did he ask him to send them into the pigs? Because remember, the why matters, right? What was the root of this request? Well, we need to remember that this was the demon making this request, right? This was not the possessed man. This was the demon speaking. This was the demon's question. And where do demons get their marching orders from? They get their marching orders from Satan, from the devil. So we know that it was one of three things that they were asking for. It was either to steal, to kill, or destroy, right? Because the Bible tells us that that is their only purpose. Jesus says in John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And he says, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus comes to give us abundant life. The devil and his demons, well, they come to do the complete opposite. And Jesus knows this, right? Jesus knows. So he knows that this request that, the, that these demons are making is just another ploy to be able to, to wreak havoc, right? In, in this area that they had been so successful at torturing for so, so long. And the craziest part is that Jesus gives them permission. And it says that they came out of the man and they went into the pigs, about 2,000 in number. They ran down the, down the hill and they were drowned. Now, I got to be honest with you. All I can think of, do you know how many BLTs they could have got out of that many pigs? That's a lot of wasted bacon. Here's the thing. My wife, she, she grew up on a hog farm, right? And uh, I had the pleasure, if you want to call it that, <laughs> of helping her family and her sort hogs. Has anybody in here ever sorted hogs before? Ah, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Probably one of the most frustrating things I've ever done. I know that I had to repent when I was finished doing it because it was so frustrating. See, pigs are extremely stubborn animals and they're extremely flighty animals, right? Uh, so we're sitting here trying to sort these hogs onto a truck and all it took was startling one little pig and the entire barn was going crazy, right? It did not take much to make these things squeal and run you over. I got ran over. Uh, Serena said they've bit her before. Uh, it, it was not a fun experience. And honestly, Serena has a lot of horror stories about pigs. You should ask her sometimes. Some of them are actually pretty funny. 
But what I'm trying to say is this, that I don't believe that the demons had any idea what was going to happen when they went into the pigs. And there's obviously different theological uh, ideas on this. But for me, they just asked Jesus to not make them leave the area, right? They didn't want to leave. They wanted to continue staying where they were. And as flighty as pigs can be, I don't think it took much to scare these pigs to where they all just went rogue and blind leading the blind and they ended up running and drowning themselves. But here's the thing, regardless of what happened to the pigs, this situation is ultimately something to celebrate. Not the pigs, but because a human being, a child of God who was made in his image has now been set free from demonic possession. That is something to celebrate. This, this is something that should be the main focus when we see what happens here. But we're going to look at the response of some other people here in verse 14. It says this. It says, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. So now we come to request number two. After the townspeople had seen what had happened, they plead with Jesus to leave. So now we come to our, to our question. Why did they ask Jesus to leave? Remember, the why matters. Somebody say the why matters. The why matters. Well, it says that they were afraid, so we know that fear uh, was playing a small factor in this request, but there's another major element uh, that rooted that fear and rooted this request for Jesus to leave. So I want to look at verse 16 again and look at it a little closer. It says, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and here it is. It says, and told about the pigs as well. It was the pigs. After they had heard about what had happened to the pigs, then they asked Jesus to leave. And here's the thing. The fact that there was a herd of at least 2,000 pigs in this region, uh, it means that they weren't raising these pigs for pets. Okay? They were raising these for food, right? And it was most likely a very large piece of revenue for them. So these pigs, they represented a paycheck to the people of the Gerasenes and probably economic security. So when Jesus delivers a demon-possessed man, all that these people could see was that Jesus cost them a lot of money. That's what they saw. What about the pigs? What about our economy? At what cost was this man set free? They only saw Jesus for what he cost them. And they plead for Jesus to leave the area. Got our little pig here. Looks a little bit like Chachi, don't you think? <laughs> Had to get one in there, buddy. Second time, so. Here's the thing. These people were more concerned about feeding their piggies than they were about the one who could set them free. They were busy feeding their pigs. And I wonder today, what pigs are we feeding today? 
What pigs are keeping you from experiencing the freedom that Jesus has for you? I don't know, maybe some of you have one pig, maybe a couple of you have a couple little piggies. I don't know, maybe some of you have an entire herd of pigs that you're trying to maintain in your life. The question is, would you be okay if Jesus just decided to take it away? What if all of a sudden they were gone? Would you be okay with that? What's more important to you, the life that Jesus gives or the, the pigs that bring you comfort, the pigs that bring you wealth and security? See, these people saw that following Jesus was gonna be a lot more than just wearing the t-shirt. It was going to mean surrendering some material things that they did not want to surrender, so they just requested that he leaves. So let's move on to our final request in verse 18. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. All right. So now we're at our third and final request. The man who had been set free. He begged to go with Jesus when he left. And I know it probably seems kind of like a stupid question, but we still need to ask it. Why did he ask to go with Jesus? Why did he ask? Because remember, the why matters. The why matters. This, this request is the request of a man who had experienced a changed life in Jesus. This was a man who had firsthand seen the power and authority of Jesus Christ in his life. He had found Jesus, and now he wants to follow him. The root of his request is simple. He's basically saying, Jesus, I don't want to live this life apart from you. Don't leave me. Stay here or let me go with you, right? Because the truth is, once we've experienced the freedom of Jesus Christ, the natural progression is to want to follow Jesus. So throughout this entire passage, we've just looked at three different requests. And all three of these requests, they've had three different outcomes. But there's one thing that was, that was consistent all the way through the entire narrative. And that was that Jesus was in authority and was intentional about every single thing that he did while he was there. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give us three quick takeaways uh, from what we can learn here from these requests. And as we go through these, it's my prayer that you will see and understand how intentional Jesus truly was from beginning to end. So the first takeaway is this, what you request is subject to God's will. And what I mean by that is sometimes even the best requests might get denied. And sometimes some of the worst requests might be accepted, at least the way that we understand them, right? Because that's the nature of a request, right? God is the one who gives and takes away. So we have to understand that sometimes what we think God should be doing is not what God is actually doing, right? 
I think we've learned a lot through COVID-19 over the last year and a half that God's in control, but it's not what we thought, right? But Jesus was intentional about the requests that he granted. Notice that the legion of demons, they got what they wanted. They asked to go into the pigs. And Jesus granted the request. He gave them what they asked for. The the funny thing is Jesus didn't have to even take their request. He could have just said, be gone and been done with the whole thing. But Jesus is intentional, right? So he intentionally came to this region with a purpose in mind and he let them go in to the pigs. And listen, I just wanna say that this is not because Jesus is heartless and does not care about animals or does not care about his creation because he loves his creation dearly. In fact, the Bible tells us that a sparrow can't fall to the ground without the father caring about it. So he loves his creation, but we need to remember that he cares most about the souls of humanity because we were created in the image of God. He is always, always on our side. He sent his son to die on a cross for the sins of humanity, of man. And that is the focus If we look, we can see that his strategy here, by giving the legion permission, this this gave him an opportunity to be able to speak to the people of the town. Now, they didn't like what he had to say, what he did, but he still had the opportunity to be in their life. The The townspeople didn't like it. So they got what they requested. They asked for him to leave because it was threatening their way of life as they knew it. So they basically reject Jesus, And he agrees to leave. And it's in his departure that sets in motion the freed man and the request. He requested that Jesus would let him go with him. And Jesus denies it. Sometimes that's kind of hard to to swallow, right? What? He denies it. But instead he says, go and tell your family, tell everyone around you, of what God has done for you. I need you to stay here. Jesus, he didn't deny his request because it was a bad request, but because Jesus knew that he would be more effective where he was. And that leads us to the second takeaway, which is what you request will reveal your heart. Listen, friends, the truth is you will ask according to what is important to you. So what is important to you? This man's request to follow Jesus revealed his heart. It showed that he was ready. He had a testimony to share and he wanted to go and tell everyone about Jesus. He wanted to be with Jesus and follow Jesus. And Jesus says, I need you to stay here where everyone knows who you used to be so that they can see who you've become because of me. Go, go tell the people that the pigs that they're concerned about, they're worth nothing compared to what I can offer. Go and be a witness to the people who literally just rejected me. The best part is the man went out and did what Jesus told him to do. It says he went out and into the Decapolis and preached what Jesus had done. The Decapolis is just the area that is surrounding the garrisons where he was. The things that we ask for will reveal our hearts. The last takeaway might seem a little simple, but it's not any less true. 
And that is that your request has consequences. Your request has consequences. They could be good consequences or they could be bad consequences, but every request has a a consequence. When I go to a restaurant and I order a triple cheeseburger with everything on it, the consequences of that are gonna be a little bit different than when I order a chicken salad, right? Sadly, I've experienced the consequences of the cheeseburger more than the salad, but I'm working on that, all right? But here's the thing, the consequences of the Legion's request was that they were decommissioned. We don't hear about them anymore. They went into the abyss, as one of the gospels calls it. They were gone, they were no more. And then we have the the townspeople's consequences was the fact that because of their concern for material wealth, the loss of material things, they would suffer even greater spiritual loss because of what they did. They asked Jesus to leave and he did. And now they would have a life without hope and a life without purpose. The consequence of the freed man, well, it was that he got to follow Jesus. Maybe not in the way that he wanted, but in the way that Jesus asked him to. Jesus said, go and tell the people in the area about what God has done for you. He gets to help people find and follow Jesus. And here at the gathering, we all know there's nothing greater than that, right? What we request has consequences. And you know, this really comes down to this. It comes down to what you do with Jesus. This whole, this whole passage. What are you requesting in the presence of God? What are you asking God? Are you asking to follow him, whatever that might look like? Or are you asking him to step aside and leave so that you can focus on other things, the things that you wanna accomplish? And the truth is the townspeople, they asked Jesus to leave because they were so caught up in in their, their pigs, AKA their material wealth, building the things of this life that they couldn't see their savior when he was right in front of them. They couldn't see Jesus when he was right in front of them. In fact, they were a little too busy feeding their pigs. Feeding their pigs. They would rather be maintaining the things of this life, the things that are so appealing to us, but have no true value, than they would experience the freedom that Jesus gives. They literally just watched a man be freed from demon possession, but still, they preferred their piggies. They preferred the pigs. So my question for you is, what are the things that keep you feeding instead of following? What are the things that keep you feeding instead of following? Because as long as you're consumed by maintaining your pigs, by maintaining the things of this world, after a while, you're just gonna ask Jesus, just just step aside, I've got this for a while, I've got this. I gotta take care of some things. You're gonna ask Jesus to step aside. And that's not the place we wanna be. Maybe, maybe some of you in here, you're not really asking Jesus to step aside per se, but you really can't follow him the way that, that you sh- truly should because you're too busy with whatever's consuming you. Maybe, maybe your pigs are not 
the material wealth like it was of the people of the Gerasenes, right? We all have our pigs, right? We've all got something. But the question is, are you maintaining those things over Jesus? You don't wanna ask Jesus to leave. You're too busy feeding your anxieties, too busy feeding your pride, your lust, your busy life. And you're, you're not sure what to do with Jesus when he's in front of you. What are the things that are stealing your attention? What are the things that are stealing your affections? Because guys, if we wanna follow Jesus, if we wanna truly follow Jesus the way he asked us to, we have to be willing to let him take it away. We have to be willing. Stop relying on your pigs and rely on Jesus. Don't be like the townspeople. Be like the man who saw what Jesus did and wanted to follow Jesus, wanted to go with Jesus. But to do that, we have to let the pigs lie where they are. Don't go back to them. He took those away for a reason. Let's focus on what's in front of us. So let the root of your request today be out of a heart of love and reverence for the God who sets the captives free, for the God who intentionally goes to a region for one man who he knew would say, yes, I wanna follow you. And then he took that and went and preached the gospel in the surrounding area. So the question that I wanna leave you with today is what is the root of your request today? What are you asking God? Because remember, the why matters. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you have given us freedom in your blood. You died for us so that we don't have to return to those things. So Father, we ask that when we have an encounter with you, that when we see you, Father, we would respond and ask to follow you. Jesus, I pray for every heart in this room that they would respond to you when they see you and their request would be, Jesus, let me go with you. I don't wanna live this life apart from you. Father, if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you, Father, I pray that they would make that decision to follow you today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Well, hey guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, we have people down here ready to pray with you. If you need prayer, come down, take advantage of that. Prayer is a powerful thing. And thank you for being here. We will see you guys next week. God bless.